Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the Cricket Collective. I'm John Norman alongside Steve Harmison bringing you a full review of England's T20 series with South Africa, which you heard exclusively live on Talk Sport 2. And as you now know, England took the series and did so in style. And over the next hour, you'll hear from uh, all the players of the match, the captain, hear highlights of the action and get the thoughts of Steve Harmison. So much to chat about today. And this is the Cricket Collective. Pamela in to uh, Milad, who's listening to the conversation because he has bopped that over long on for six. There's one. Well, there's one of them. You know what would be the thing now? 94 right? now. 94 for David Milan. England need, what, six runs to win? And Milan needs six for 100. So Pamela in. And uh, Milan digs it out. It will be filled in an extra cover. There's been a fumble. There's a chance he can come back with two. But Butler, just Butler has run all the way through the crease. It's uh, a low-key end to what has been anything but a low-key run chase from England. Dawid Milan finishes 99 not out. England have chased down the target of 192 by nine wickets for the loss of just uh, Jason Roy. So, Harmy, wow, what a what a game that was in the end. I tell you what, for uh, for parts of South Africa's innings, the first 10 overs, um, the the pitch just didn't seem to be offering the batsman much. And then, of course, uh, Rassi van der Dussen and uh, Faf de Plessis came to the crease and, you know, hit the ball to all parts. And at the halfway stage, you're thinking that's a good score. But uh, after England got on it, you realise that it wasn't a good score. Actually, South Africa should have had those two batsmen playing higher up the order. Uh, But even if they got 220, I'm not sure that would have been defendable. Such was the brilliance of Milan, who finished with 99 not out, and also um, Joss Butler, who Milan outscored for the entirety of the innings. Uh, but 
On the flip side, from a South African perspective, the gulf between the two sides and the way South Africa's bowling disintegrated in the last five overs uh, will be a huge concern to South Africa. But let's start with England first and David Milan, who continues to confound all expectations. What an innings from him and what consistency in the shortest format of the game playing for England. Absolutely, John. And yes, it was, I think it was a, a fascinating game. Um, when you, you're right, when you look at it, you're thinking, right, it's not a bad total at halfway. But there were alarm bells, little alarm bells in that first innings that we spoke about. I remember being on commentary, speaking about it and talking about how up at uh, Paul, when the, the day game, where the ball is sitting in the pitch and when it the night the the night gear night comes in and the lights go on and the dew factor does it help the batting? Well, actually, I think we answered. You got an answer to the positive there. That I actually think when the lights really took effect, it made it easier for batting. The ball came onto the bat a little bit. It didn't really sit in, and I think that was more or less halfway through the South African innings. When you look when you look back when you look back at the South African innings, you could be critical of England. I actually think all all game, all thirty was it thirty eight overs of the of the match. I don't think the bowling was at its top level as what the batting was. I thought you know when they were going for the the wide Yorkers, they were wide, but they were in this the, the lengths weren't great. They were in the slot. There wasn't many Yorkers. Absolutely nailed, and there was some big hits, some big sixes, and players had been able to get their hands free. So I don't think the bowling was as as has a high level as what the batting. But when you look at it. it South Africa got 84 off the last five overs, and I was very critical at half-time about the, the way England had bowled at the death. Um, and you're right, South Africa, two batsmen could have come up a little bit higher in the order. That's something that they'll probably look at. But the way England came out and, and, and bossed the chase was just, was just phenomenal. I thought, there was, I thought Milan, was, Milan was brilliant. He justified his selection. A lot of questions about whether Bairstow should bat three, a lot of questions whether root players in the side, could you drop the best player in the world at this minute in time when it comes to the rankings? This kid's played 19 matches, 19 matches now, and he's, his averages and strike rate are phenomenal. And when he, the way he played, and I think Butler justified his selection up, up at the top of the order as well, being able to just... You know, take his time. The two of them, very, very similar in temperament for me, Milan and Butler. They like to get five, ten balls into their innings before they really start becoming in destructive mode. And I think there was at one point where Butler actually caught Milan up. I think Butler was 22 off 23. And then over off some... Uh, I think it was some parlor, I think it was. I'm not sure who who the over was. But anyway, it went for 20-odd. Uh, he, he managed to get exactly the same. I think Butler was 42 off 29 and Milan was 44 off 23. Then all of a sudden, Milan put the, 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 the afterburners on. And it was a game, set, match. I thought it was a phenomenal batting display by England. A well-thought-out chase. And it proves you know, why. And it shows why that this, this team under Owen Morgan can play in any conditions, can play in any, on any surface, in any country, and still chase or set and be the best team in the world. And rightly so. They're sitting top of the tree in the 50-over rankings and now in the 2020 rankings. They were absolutely magnificent in this three-match series. Yeah, absolutely. To the top of the tree in World T20. And what a time to do it in, when we're looking at a World T20 in 2021 in India and then in Australia in 2022. Uh, let's hear from the England camp, though. Neil Manthorpe is our man on the ground and asking the questions. Got a fantastic squad of 15 and guys outside, and um, 
Now, winning is always really the priority and at times obviously it's exposure to, to others but having everyone here available and, and in these conditions wanting to sort of nail down the strongest team for these exact conditions um, I thought that was a great way to go for us as a side and, and get time all together I think it's really important to uh, to build time together as a side um, a lot of us have played a lot of T20 cricket but to, to play as an 11 for England a year out from the World Cup will um, Harmy, um, there were a few groans uh, off air in, in our commentary box today when England announced uh, the same team, the first, the same eleven. We were hoping to see a little bit of a change up. We were being selfish, essentially. We wanted something to different to talk about. Uh, were you surprised uh, that uh, England went in unchanged, especially when you consider, you know, your old mate? You've been quite vocal about Mottwood. I'm not asking you to do that again, but you know, this guy doesn't have a test contract, he's got a white ball contract, there's two players in this squad who don't have white ball contracts or other team, they played he didn't and he's gone a long time without playing for England were you surprised, do you think it was a mistake but at the end of the day it does show doesn't it, this is absolutely Owen Morgan's team and he does what he wants. Yeah he does what he wants, I wasn't I wasn't really sh- shouting for Mark to play in this game as much because I think Mark's going to play in all three of the 50 over 50 over um, ODIs. So it wasn't so much Mark. I, I thought, I thought Moen more than anything else, Moen Ali, we've got to, we've got to play Moen because we've got to see what sort of mindset he's in. We've got to see what sort of skill sets he's got at this minute in time. Cause he, he was at the IPO, but didn't really get a game and he was, he was messed around there. We're potentially going to have to play two, three spinners in January, January, February, March in Sri Lanka and in India or in the UAE, wherever them cricket's going to be, whether it's the red ball or the white ball. And he's already come out and said he'd be in, he'd be interested to come back into the to the test team and to be around that. So it'd be, I'd have liked to have seen Moen more than anybody else. Reese Topley might get a game in the 50 overs, um, but I feel awful having a go at Reese Topley the other day in the last week's cricket collective because I felt I, when I came off air I thought oh, you've been that's not right you were you were you were out of order there you're a bit bit dismissive of, of Reese Topley probably because of how good this side is thinking right there's only 13 men out there who really are warranting a place in the side but I thought definitely Mo and Ali should have played in this game and I think it showed as well when you look at it and I think the biggest example I can put is when Rashid came off the bowl. It was the 13th over. He bowled the 13th over, came off. And it, and all of a sudden, England had to go to the next seven overs of one from Jofra Archer and then six from very, very similar pierced bowlers trying to do the same thing, trying to bowl wide Yorkers or taking a pierce off the ball, bowling back of the hand or cut the slower balls. And all of a sudden, I was thinking, well, if Moen Ali had been playing, he would have bowled the last over the power play, which is he always does and he does very, very well which pushes Rashid back to bowling the 15th, the 13th and the 15th or the 14th and the 16th over, which then puts pressure on the opposition. But I think that's where England missed the trick. I still think in the World T20, England are going to need two spinners to bowl in that middle period to really get a hold of the game. And I think we should have seen Mo and Ali play in this game. But you're right. Owen Morgan is the man in charge. He dictates what he wants. And his side is winning is the most important thing. And who am I to argue?
Well, come on, mate. We've still got uh, three sections of the show. So uh, <laughs> you, the day you stop arguing about cricket is the day that we all give up. <laughs> exactly. There is plenty to argue about. Uh, maybe not today, though, after England have just uh, taken the series. Uh, three to zip, beating South Africa comfortably by nine wickets. Darwin Milan ending 99 not out. Uh, Joss Butler and himself uh, combining with a terrific partnership for the second wicket that saw England home comfortably. Uh, we're going to talk about the game and the series as a whole. A little look ahead to the ODI series as well. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Median once more. Bairstow standing in front of all three stumps. Shot. The bat in the air. He has <laughs> smashed it, smoked it, absolutely crunched it over long on. It's in the building side. England are in front in the three-match series. Johnny Bairstow take a bow. You ask for one of your top five to go and Put a you know, put a marker down early in the series and put the pressure on the opposition bowlers. Well, Johnny Bairstow has done that. I always look at it as I put myself in the opposition shoes, and certainly from my point of view, when I do, we're a side that I would not like to play against. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2, a review of the uh, three T20 series between South Africa and England, which you heard live and exclusive on TalkSport 2. England winning uh, by some distance in the end. Uh, Steve Harmison alongside me for the show. Let's go back to that first T20, Steve, because going into it, there was actually some debate um, about whether Johnny Bairstow would find himself outside the, outside the team because of the uh, emergence of Darwin Milan and, you know, Johnny Burstow ended up doing what Johnny Burstow always does in those situations. Uh, he, he scored a match-winning innings. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I had, I had him out of my side. He wasn't in my my um, first 11-2020. For the simple fact is I thought England would have played the second spinner. I thought they would have played Moen Ali. And I think they're going to give them, they've given themselves a bit of a headache when it comes to the World T20 because of they're going to have to play two spinners out in India. Um, it's a given. And I think they've got a, a decision to make because all of a sudden Johnny Bairstow has put him in a posi- himself in a position which he did in the ODIs two years ago when he came in for Alex Hills where he's now on, you can't drop him. You've got to pick him because whenever Johnny Bairstow has got his back against the wall, he comes out fighting and firing and he, he, he scores runs. So all of a sudden Johnny Bairstow has probably put pressure on Jason Roy. Uh, let's hear from Johnny Bairstow. He caught up with uh, TalkSport's Neil Manthorpe following the match. Johnny, well done. Um, it was 34 for three, and most teams consider consolidating at that stage, but that's not the way England play their cricket. Um, no, it doesn't seem to be that way, does it? Um, and I think that that's the um, amazing thing we've got about this group. Uh, like you say, we were 30 for three, and um, we know the strength and depth that we've got in our batting lineup. Uh, we know that we can uh, go out and, and play freely in, in the way that we want to, target certain bowlers, target um, certain overs, uh, and look. Luckily, it was my day today, and uh, I'm, I'm delighted. You've played many such innings for England and for other teams around the world, but there are still some shots that you play and you think, wow, is your game still developing? Are you, are you still learning to hit the ball in different places in different ways? Um, yeah, and that's the, that's the beauty of it. I think that my game is, is evolving and, um, and improving. I think that uh, I genuinely believe that my, my best cricket is still ahead of me um, because the experiences that you gain from playing in the IPL uh, which I have done over the last couple of years, um, will definitely stand me in good stead in, in white ball cricket, uh, but also uh, playing against different people from around the world um, uh, on the highest uh, pressure stages, like in the IPL, like in the World Cups, um, like in Test cricket, is, is only going to enhance 
uh, your game. And look, I, I feel like I am evolving with, with my game um, and hopefully the form can continue. Would you like to open or are you happy at four? Or, or what about flexibility amongst several of you? Oh, look, I think that the beauty of our batting lineup is that you could throw um, six or seven names up in the air and whatever... Uh, way they fall, I think that you could walk out in. Um, so whether or not you're, you're batting at four, you're opening, you're batting at six. Um, as long as you're playing in the in the team, contributing and and winning games of cricket for England, that's that's the main thing, and that's the that's the bit that we're wanting to build towards um, leading into uh, this next World Cup, and that's the first step today. That was a little message, wasn't it? Just uh, highlighting the fact that he has won a World Cup, hasn't he? He has played in the IPL. Um, don't drop me, please. But, you know, what he says about a fluid batting order, are we ever going to see that? I know that we have seen on occasion Butler going in ahead of Morgan. Morgan's dropped himself down. Morgan's taken himself out the side. But there's no fluidity in the first three or four positions, is there? No, I think they're, they're more or less set in stone now, the way they've, the way they've set up in this. Um, I think the batting order is, is set in stone now. I don't see any any changes now until after the World T20. Morgan has done what he did in the IPL. He basically said, right, I'm going to go and bat number six. He batted six for KKR. He put himself in the position as finisher. I thought he, he did himself... I didn't think he did himself... I didn't think he did the right thing, should I say it? Mixed up there. In going down to number six, because I thought number six in the KKR side, he was behind some average players and he was a lot better player a batsman than than what was in that KKR side but he decided that this is what he was going to do he's going to be the finisher he's now at number six in a very very good strong side and a very very good batting unit who like Johnny said you could literally pick six out of her at the side of six you could pick a number out of the hat and say off you go well where you go and I don't think you'll devalue the team so I actually think now England are probably going to have to drop a bowler to get Mo and Ali into the team or the second spinner into the team. And the way things have gone, I think Tom Curran's probably the most, most that's at risk in that. But this batting lineup is just frightening. Absolutely frightening. Jason Roy and Josh Butler at the top. And I think Milan's just proven why he is the world best 2020 player. And uh, Johnny Bairstow with a point to prove, and he still will have a point to prove come World T20 because there will still be talk of you know, question marks is he is it's the right place for him to play should he be in the side um and you know what happens when johnny's like that so you know this is as good a side as there will be in in the world when it comes to the the, the world cup in what 10 months time so england won the first t20 by five wickets um a, a match winning score of 86 for johnny bairstow but there was also three wickets for sam curran let's uh, hear what he had to say about uh, the benefits of playing in the ipl Obviously, I really enjoyed the IPL. I feel like I've took my game to different, I guess, different standard in terms of my learnings from that tournament. Um, I've definitely taken a lot away from playing with that group and that coaching staff in um, Chennai. Um, I definitely feel like my game has improved since I went there, and now I'm hoping to just keep trying to improve and hopefully, as you said, become a regular. But for now, I just keep trying to take my opportunities and keep trying to contribute to England. Do you by playing the two Currens and Jordan in every single match? Uh, is Owen Morgan watching? Can all three of those play in that first T20 against whoever they play in in, in India? I'm not so sure. I mm, don't think so. I'm not so. sure either. The, the, the reason why I say that is when it there's an indication at up at Paul that the wickets are 
going to be slow. They're going to be turgid. They're going to be you're going to the ball's going to sit in. Ben Stokes came on and bowled two overs for 14. Ben Stokes just bowled. I think he bowled 10 slow balls. He ran his fingers across. Now all of a sudden, if you've got Ben Stokes, Sam Curran, Tom uh, Tom Curran, and Chris Jordan, more or less doing the same thing. At in that middle period, taking pace off the ball, I think there's I think there's just one too many cook there. I think you have to sacrifice one of them, especially to get your. That's where you'd get your spinner in the side. What Moen Morgan's got, he's got Tom Curran and Chris Jordan bowling at the death. Now, for me, Jofra Archer can bowl at the death. And I mentioned earlier in the show when, when I talked about at the times when Adil Rashid, for me, is when he's at his best, is just before the onslaught, if there is an onslaught in the last four overs of T20 cricket. That 15th, the, the, the 14th, 15th, 16th over, that for me is a is a perfect, they're the perfect time for Adil Rashid to finish his spell because teams are looking to put the foot on the accelerator, they're looking to put the foot on the gas. And all of a sudden, in this series, Jofra Archer has bowled them overs, where for me, they're the overs Adil Rashid bowls to try and get a wicket, to try and get a new player in coming towards the last, the back end of the, back end of the, the, um, yeah, the last four overs, the back end of the innings, and Adil Rashid turned the ball both ways. It's very, very difficult to to line up and to have a go at. So for me, that is where England should be looking at. That's how I would imagine their game plan would be. And to get to that point, you probably have to sacrifice one of that middle, them them three bowlers. And for me, the way things have gone, unfortunately, I think Tom Curran looks the most vulnerable because of how well Sam Curran has has lined up over the course of this series. Yeah, I mean, what about uh, Stokes? Because he did, didn't bowl in the first T20, but he did bowl one over, I think, in the second, and he bowled a couple today. That is that is a big moment, isn't it, for England? Because just to have him as an all-rounder, um, as they do in other, the other forms of the game, that just gives that gives Morgan the, uh, the, the, the capabilities, surely, to go in with two spinners. Yeah, and I think that's probably what Owen Morgan wants to do. And he's probably got in with this, without the two spinners in this series because the likelihood of Ben Stokes being fully fit and firing to bowl has been an issue there. I think he's got a little bit of a back problem where I don't think England want to jeopardise getting him injured because of the amount and the volume of cricket that's coming up. I know you're going home after this series, but the last thing you want is to to have a, a back injury lingering for months and months on end. You try and get it fixed and try and get it sorted. And he bowled two overs for 14 up in Paul, and he bowled three overs for 26 today. And today he got two key wickets in that middle period. So showed his experience. Again, I thought he, he had a quiet series for Ben. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't as much crash-bang wallop. He got 37 and 16 with a bat. Um, and it's nice when you can win a series and dominate a series without one of your big stars. Uh, with him having a little bit of a quiet time, so you know Ben will be will be happy with his contribution to the side. But I think also England will be happy that we're not relying on one figure. We're winning we're winning series by, you know, we're with players who are who are who are all contributing. So I think that's that's a positive sign for England. Can, are we getting a little bit too ahead of ourselves here though? Because you know, in both those first two T20s, I'm not sure England bowled brilliantly um, throughout. No, not saying they bowled. They didn't bowl very. They didn't bowl well at, at times, and also, you know, with four overs to go, they needed fifty odd from twenty four balls, and just like in the second T Twenty, South Africa served up an absolute horror over just when it looked like they were in control of the game. Twenty eight runs from that Hendricks over, um, and that ended the contest. 
They need. They went from needing. England went from needing fifty-one from twenty-four balls to twenty-three from eighteen. Game over, right? And then in the second T20, similar situation happened. Uh, Ngidi this time with a, a terrible over. I think it was over number 17. I'll check in a second. Yeah, it was. 20, you know, mid-20s, wasn't Eng- it? England won this series 3-0, and they did so comfortably in the end. But you're not going to be getting away with that in India against one of the big teams because this South Africa side, you can get bring AB de Villiers back into it. They're, they're not coming close on this showing. No, definitely. I think they are... They're probably uh, another batsman, possibly two batsmen, light, and they need Robada to stand up and be the bowler that Jofra Archer's been for England even in this series. Even though Jofra only got two wickets and he was he was pretty quiet to dear in the two the two games, the most important games, the ones when the series was alive, he bowled he bowled four of us for twenty eight and four of us for eighteen. So he, yeah, that's 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 a world leading leading wing class bowler and that's what we think South Africa will be wanting from Rabada. When it comes to England at this moment in time, we talked how well they look with the bat. Do I think England can win the T20 World Cup? Yes, they've got brilliance and I think moments of brilliance in a quarter-final, semi-final final in a knockout game can get you over the line and it could mask everything else that comes with it. At this minute in time, I don't think England's bowling unit is bowling well enough to be for for me to say, I think England are are absolutely shooing. Wanted to odds on favourites to win the T20 World Cup. The other best team in the world at this minute in time because of their batting. I think their bowling still needs a little bit to work work on, as well as I still think the game plan is not quite there. Owen Morgan wanted and he needed this series to go not only his way, but he needed an idea of the game plans and how he wanted to play to get through. Because I don't think he's going to get this group of players again until he gets to India in October. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.com. 
www.barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Over the wicket still to Butler, Butler down the pitch, swings, misses, and he's bowled. Shamsi to start a new over, Best that goes into the leg side. He's got underneath it, has he got enough of it? No, he hasn't! And England are in real trouble now at 55 for three. That one's gone straight up in the air. Ben Stokes is going to give a damn because he's out. Gidi is into Milan, it's again in the slot. Milan hits it straight back over his head and it is another T20 international 50 to the number one batsman in the world, David Milan. I said before the series, you know, it doesn't guarantee me a place in the team, it doesn't uh, guarantee you runs. Jordan scoops it into the leg side, that'll be the game and the series. Another series victory for Owen Morgan in uh, England's T20 kit. You can look back at it and, and feel very proud of coming on again from the Newlands game and, and executing extremely well on a different ground that asked different questions of us. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2, a series review of the three-batch T20 series between South Africa and England on TalkSport 2. Myself, John Norman and Steve Harmison looking back at the series. We'll have a little look ahead to the ODI series, which gets underway on Friday as well. Um, that was a commentary of the second uh, T20. England had won the first one and they won by five wickets. They won the second one by four wickets, but a similar situation uh, to the first one. They were in a little bit of strife and... This is the thing with T20 cricket, isn't it, uh, Harmy? I remember covering a game, oh, it must have been about 2006, seven. Albie Morkel was playing for, was he playing for you guys? Was he playing for Durham? Oh, but Lancashire. Was he at Lancashire? Oh, no, that's Lanc- right. It was, was Durham Lancash- against Lancashire. He was l- playing for Lancashire against Durham or the other way around. No, he was playing for Durham against Lancashire. That's yeah, right. I remember it well. I was playing. And it looked like it was Lancashire's game all ends up. And then Albie Morkel came out to bat and... The thing with T20 cricket, you think you're winning a game and sometimes the, the, the speed of the game is so fast, by the time Lancashire realised they were actually losing the game, Albie Morkel had won it for Durham. He just turned it around right at the end and that kind of happened again in this one. 18 overs uh, in and uh, 29 needed from 18. I mean, that's that's still doable, don't get me wrong. Um, but then Milan just smashed, he just went 4-4-6, four, four, that was it. It was like, oh, the game's over. <laughs> it is, and I thought it was a nip tucker. It was a low-scoring encounter. No one had really gone top of the bowlers. One horrendous three-ball spell, and it's game over. And that's what happens in in twenty twenty. And you can get you can get in a position, you know, very very quickly by four balls, five balls. I remember that game very very well. I think I think we chased. I think we chased something like one seventy or one eighty. I actually got five wickets in that game. I think it was my best figures. I got. I think well, that's, that's, that was only five for, so well. Five for fifty, I think. Five for forty-five. Five for fifty. I went round the park. It was in a big, high-scoring game, and we were right behind the eight ball. And I think he hit four sixes in five balls, and all of a sudden we've gone from being no chance of winning to coming in at number six and number. Six, you'd have been number six, and he turned the game, and we wanted a we wanted a canter. And I think that's what happened in this game. When you've got wickets in hand. In a in the longer format, in the fifty over game, and you're trying to build and set a, set a, 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 get it get to a total. I think when you've got time in the bank, it's you know wickets in hand is always nice. Sometimes wickets in hand in 2020 cricket isn't always the best thing because what tends to happen is you leave it to somebody else. And I think it's so important that if you're in and you get in, you have you you can think oh well, we've got pin in the hutch, but 
I've actually got to take responsibility because it's actually harder to get in on. And yeah, I've got to, I've got to show take responsibility to get our team over the line. And I think that's what Milan's done brilliantly so far in his in his career. Because when you look at his his career stats, he's got ten in nineteen innings. He's got ten fifties, one hundred in nineteen nineteen innings. He's had one single figure score in that nineteen innings. But batting up number three, he's he's got his team over the line. Three well, three not outs. He's had three not outs. I think he's had a, he's had one hundred and three not out, fifty four not out, and a ninety nine not out. When that tells me is he's he's got experience because of his age and the amount of cricket he's played. But he's also he doesn't leave it to anybody else. He takes responsibility, puts his hands up. He knows that in these situations, it's very difficult when you need 9, 10, 11, 12 and over. It's very difficult to hit sixes from ball one. And I think he identifies that moment. He did it brilliantly in this game. Understood the bowler he was going to go for. And I think the sign of a, an experienced side who has played a lot of cricket, one day cricket especially, was England understanding who was the bowler that needed to go what actually over it needed he needed to go in, and then he executed it perfectly. They did it to Hendricks uh, in Cape Town. Um, they did it to I think Nagidi in Paul, um, and they did it to some parlor this afternoon. A big over coming on, young, inexperienced. He's the one that's got to go. He's at his first ball for six, and the rest is is history, as I say. Uh, Two thousand and eight, that game was. Um, you didn't actually play. Your brother did. Um, but uh, Albie Morkel needed... Durham needed 38 off of three overs and Albie Morkel did it so you won with an over to spare. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Try to think out which is the guy. I'm getting my game mixed up. No, that, I remember I got I five think... at, at Old Trafford and Albie played in it and he got us over the line that year. So it might have been the year Maybe before he did it when twice. he did it. Maybe he did it twice. He um, did, yeah. i tell you what, whilst we scratch our heads and work it out, let's hear from Darwin Milan talking to Neil Manthorpe following that second T20 win for England. A masterclass of, of timing, I suppose. I mean, that was... Uh, you, you, were, you were 25 off 29 balls at one stage and uh, people were wondering whether you were a bit behind the rate. Well, I thought I was a bit behind the rate, actually. I thought I was messing that game up properly. Um, yeah, it's... Look, I think with the boundary, with the wind, there was always a, an option to take it down. There was always an option where you had to be able to target. I think that's key in a chase. Um, you're always one over away. It's one over of 20-odd, and you, the game changes on its head. So you, with the power that we have in this team and the batting lineup that we have, we believe that we're always one over away from winning the game. Um, you know, And it turned out today that that's the way it worked. Well, you looked very calm, but you just sort of implied there that perhaps... You, you you thought you may have, it may have been getting away from you. Yeah, look, that's one of my strengths. I try to stay in the moment. I try not to look too far ahead or what's happened. Um, if I start looking at what my strike rate is and where I'm at, you know, I lose touch of the game. I lose sight of what's happening in the game. So, you know, I, I, all I look at what is what's required. Um, whether we need a big over, who's the guy to take down, and back myself when I get to that that I'll be able to do it. Obviously, if I get out, I'll obviously stuff the game up a little bit. But um, you know, I, I back myself um, with the amount of cricket that I've played in 2020 cricket, the experience that I have to be able to do that uh, when it's needed. With so many fiery pyrotechnic batsmen, so much power in the rest of the order, do you have to sort of rein yourself in? I mean, you're the only one that, that, that I think that can play that sort of an innings. No, I think all the boys can. I think the the mantra that we have is we want to take the game on at all times. Um, some of the boys uh, do that slightly easier than I do, uh, especially to start with. Um, but you know that's something that I'm I'm working on. It's something that I'm trying to improve on. But you know all I all I really want to do is be there at the end and win games. So I'm disappointed I wasn't there to finish that off. But um, you know it was 
good to get the win in the end. It's refreshing to hear such honest uh, candour from David Milan, but it does raise the point, doesn't it? Okay, it worked that time, but you really leave yourself open to criticism if in a semi-final or a final of a World T20, you soak up three overs uh, of an innings with, you know, the likes of Stokes or Morgan or Butler on the sidelines, and then you get out. Yeah, but I think if you put yourself in a position enough times, you can, you know, from an experience point of view, all of a sudden you can put pressure on the opposition just by being there. All of a sudden, the, yeah, England get quarter-final or semi-final against Africa and David Milan's in and he, he chews up 10 balls and all the people will say, well, pressure's on. But South Africa know by experience that... He can still get them. He can still get his team over the line. And I think when you look at players around the world who are, who have built the reputation of being a good finisher, have built the reputation of being somebody like Josh Butler's the same. He can he can chew up balls. Ben Stokes can chew up balls. But you know for a fact that if you don't get them early, they can they can make up as as and when when the 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 the, the, the innings goes on. So uh, there's all well well and good saying you, know, so you can dig yourself into a hole. But your, your reputation soon gets away from, you know, gets around the world when you do get your team over the line time after time. And then that puts teams on the back foot. People then start to think, right, if we don't get him in the first 10 balls, then all of a sudden, you know, he, he can be dangerous at the back end. And you know, that, that there, having a reputation like that, especially in the modern day game, could be huge. Will it be a problem? I'm just Googling now. How much cricket has Milan played in India? I'm not sure he's played a great deal. He's I can't like... imagine he'll played a great deal in, in India. Um, born and brought up in South Africa, in Cape Town. Mm. You know, used to the used to the warm weather, not quite as warm as what it will be in India. Well, he made his debut at Bowland Park yeah. as a 16-year-old. First game of first-class cricket, Bowland Park. And you see, how, you know, that was a, a wicket which was quite slow, low and turgid. It's a very, very slow, low, slow, low wicket. Not too dissimilar to the subcontinent. Yeah, look, once he's once he's got confidence of playing all around the world, and he's got the re- reputation of being the number one twenty twenty batsman in the world. By the time he gets to India, if he's in the form he's in now, it doesn't matter where he's playing or what he's playing on. T- people are going to be worried about David Milan, and David Milan's not going to be worried about anything other than you know trying to get runs for England because he'll always think, bring the next game on, bring the next game on. Because when you're on the crest of a wave, you want to play every single day. Uh, and what about the the players on the outside looking in? You know, we've we came into this asking a few questions. Certainly, Bairstow and Milan have answered the questions about the batting. So I think, as you say, that's it now, isn't it? Uh, you're going to have one reserve, maybe Joe Root coming in for uh, Sam Billings, possibly, or Billings will retain his place. Um, but uh, aside from that, it's about Ali. Does he come in for one of Curran, Curran, or Jordan on occasion? Uh, and how does Mark Wood? I mean, suddenly it doesn't look like Mark Wood gets into that side unless Archer's injured. Yeah, but I think it's a nice, nice problem I have. If you look at the the squad of a, as a whole, you're probably looking at the eleven that's played in the three games. You are looking at Mark Wood, who will um, definitely go as that backup fast bowler. You you're definitely going to take Mo and Ali because you're going to try, hopefully, try and get him into the team. And I would imagine it will be uh, Joe Root is the is the spare batsman, stroke spare spinner. I think they'll go down that road and have will potentially play. I, I don't see where Joe fits fits into it. Again, do you want to be taking Joe Root 
into a world competition before the Ashes, depending on his workload and how the summer goes. I think that will be, I think that will be the the key contributing factor whether they, they go in with that. But if I'm picking my best fifteen and being selfish, like Owen Morgan has been in this tournament, in this this three three match series, I think I'd be taking Joe Root into into India. So there's fourteen. And it'll be whether I take Chris Wokes or Sam Billens and take another batting option uh, if I if I need some more firepower. Which, to be fair, other than the the 14 names I've just mentioned there, I don't see I don't you can you, I could go as a 15th man. I, I don't think it matters because that person's not playing. That's the voice of Steve Harmison. Still to come on the show, we're going to have a look ahead to the ODI series, which gets underway on Friday on Talksport Two, which is what you're listening to. And this is the Cricket Collective. Watch it as Wokes goes in, takes the edge, caught behind Johnny Bairstow. Driven down the ground by the cock, straight back over the bowler's head, onto the side screen for six more. Gidi into him again, that's another six. He's sliced it over backward point. That's outrageous. How do you do that, Moen Ali? Here's Stokes once again, bowls. Bowls to massive six. John John snaps into the second tier. Rashid in from the end. river end, and he gets his man, Bavuma is bowled. Oh, goodness me. Jason Roy has just run down the track and has uh, pinned his ears back and swatted it back over long on for six. Comes in, he's knocked over Freddie McCrock. Of course he should be bowling. Owen Morgan, (laughs) World Cup winning captain. Who would question his judgment? So, England taking the three-match T20 series, 3-0, winning against South Africa by nine wickets. Darwin Milan ending up 99 not out. And uh, Joss Butler, 67. The two combining for an unbroken second-wicket partnership of a lot, uh, chasing down 191, or rather, chasing down 192 uh, after uh, South Africa posted 191 for three. Fafta Blessy with a 50 and uh, Van der Dussen with 74. Let's turn our attention to the ODI series. Uh, Harmy gets underway on Friday on TalkSport 2. Starts at 10. Uh, match begins at 11. Now, of course, England are weakened. Uh, no Ben Stokes, no Joffrey Archer, no Sam Curran. All three uh, would have played for sure. Maybe not Sam Curran, but certainly the first two. Um, so let's look at the side and, and, and the contest as a whole. Uh, the squad is as follows. Owen Morgan, the captain. Moeen Ali, who didn't play in the 3T20 series. Johnny Bairstow, Sam Billings, Butler, Tom Curran, uh, Lewis Gregory, Liam Livingston, two, uh, two new guys. That's a youngster, uh, Joe Root. I'm not sure much about him. He comes into the uh, squad. Adil Rashid, Jason Roy, Ollie Stone, Chris Wokes, Reese Topley, Mark Wood. How are you expecting England to line up in that first ODI? Um, well, I don't see there being a massive, massive amount of change when it comes to the way they have gone from the summer. I think Sam Billens deserves his place in the side. You're probably going to see Joss Butler back, back down the order. He'll possibly come in at number five behind Owen Morgan potentially going up to number four, root at three, Besto and Roy going back to their, their usual partnership. See the two twi- uh, spin twins will probably play in Moen and, and Adil. And then you'll have Wokes, Curran and Wood. And I think if Owen Morgan is true to form, the way he's gone in the T20s, uh, he'll play his best 11 first. And I think that's the way it would be. So the likes of Ollie Stone, Lewis Gregory, Liam Livingston and Reese Topley would probably miss out. Uh, on selection, but I would like to see at some point um, Ollie Stone get a go, whether it's in Parlour or even in the back to to Newlands in the third 
T20. Yeah, third 50 over game because I think this kid, Ollie Stone, is somebody I think England could use in the Southern Hemisphere over the course of the the next two winters, whether it is in India or the UAE, whichever that way, where that goes. Uh, and I think he could be a little an outside chance of being involved in the Ashes in in Australia because of the pace that he bowls at. He bowls at good pace. Uh, he hits a deck reasonably hard, and he's he's somebody who likes to to get the ball to get the ball through in in not quite as fast as Archer and Wood, but somebody who has has got probably more pace than the likes of the two Currens um, and Chris Woke. So that's the way I, I see England lining up. I don't see there being too many changes from the batten and the batten unit, um, unless Owen Morgan wants to give give somebody a rest. But I just. The way it looks is it Johnny Bestow and Josh Butler have been in the IPL. If he wants to give them a rest, he would have sent them home. Joe Root's got to play. Joseph, Jason Roy's got to try and find a bit of form. And, and Owen Morgan's captain. So, really, there's only one place, and that's Sam Billens' place. Sam Billens was fantastic throughout the summer. So, the batting top six seems to going to be going to be settled. Um, Moen Ali at seven and Chris Wokes at eight. So I don't see there being too much of a, of a change of we're going to give people a game because the 50 over world cup is a long way away. I think it's still going to be, we are, we have got 15 strong players here. I'm going to pick the best 11 to win a cricket match uh, and do that throughout the series. Uh, where are you on the Jason Roy conundrum? He, he didn't score many runs again today. Um, I mean, Owen Morgan is fiercely, uh, you know, defensive and loyal, but let's not forget Roy was dropped in a, in a major tournament in 2017 champions trophy came back. Uh, he won the World Cup 2019, but he's had a lean run of scores, hasn't he? He's a little bit boom and bust, we know that. But um, do you see any... I mean, they're going to stick with him for the foreseeable, you would have thought. I think they'll stick with him for the foreseeable, for the simple fact is I don't see the... If the I don't see them having anybody else, really, that's going to go and open a bat in this, this, this group where the Livingston could go in first. Um, I, I'm not so sure. I think Liam Livingston's more of a middle order, order player. But like, you've got to take your chance wherever you you you, you find it presented. And Owen Morgan has been very protective of Jason Roy more than anybody else when it comes to the batting. I think I think he likes, I think he likes Roy. He trusts Roy, and I think he likes Roy to go in first. So I can see Jason Roy getting all the way through this series and through the English summer, um, and possibly to the, the, the T20 World Cup and if he's still having a struggle during or, uh, or up into and during the T20 World Cup I think then there could be a, a position up for grabs but for me at this minute in time I'd stick with Roy I think he's done a, a good job for his country and I, 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 when, you, when your team when, you, when your team is when you, when you are going through a tough time but you are play, your team's winning you look to your captain for, for some support I think that's where Owen Morgan's at his strongest, and I think if he does back up Jason Roy, I think I think you'll get, I think he's he's you'll get rewarded for it. Um, and what about South Africa then? I mean, they're going to be very relieved to see the likes of Archer and uh, Stokes depart. Less so to see the likes of Joe Root and uh, Chris Wokes come back the other way, and knowing that Mark Wood's going to play well, hopefully or possibly all three games. Yeah, I don't see England being as. De- even though they're sending Archer and Stokes home, like we've said many times throughout the on TalkSport 2, throughout the coverage, that 
out of the 13 players that are out there, you could pick any 11, and I don't think England will be weakened too much. So I think England are still going to be very, very strong when it comes to the side that they're going to play. South Africa, they're, they're just looking to find a way of of getting through this indifferent patch with the white ball. They've got a lot of politics going on off the field. They've got a captain who's not a captain and doesn't look... And I've got... Uh, I think oh, uh, Quentin de Kock is a fantastic cricketer. I think he is a, a fantastic guy. He seems he seems a good, good, good guy to have around. He seems to be a good person in that dressing room. I think he's very, very popular. I don't think he should be captain of South Africa. I think there's people that just... Sometimes who are just aren't suited to the job. You listen to him in interview and it's nothing against him. He's just not a very good public public speaker he doesn't he seems to want to he seems to be shy in front of the camera he doesn't seem to want to do the media that's nothing against the guy I think there's a lot of people like that I just think South Africa would be better suited having somebody else in charge and saying to Quentin de Kock that wipe thing there when you're in the field catch it and when that when you're batting clear your mind don't worry about anything else and when that white thing comes at you head it as far as you possibly can does that for Mumbai Indians brilliantly and I just think I think I think while he is captain of South Africa, I just think they are they are taking a lot of their a lot of their power out of out, out of their performance because of what's going through Quentin de Kock's mind. I think that's a big thing for South Africa, and I think they could do with rectifying that very very quickly. Where they go, I'm not so sure, but I wouldn't be bothered if I was in the South African camp. I wouldn't be bothered who captained the team, if it's having a negative effect on the on his performance. And his thought processes, and he's not very he's not very comfortable in what's going on around it. Then I think it needs to change very very quickly for South Africa to be a force. Uh, and of course, no Kagiso Rabada either. He's been ruled out. He's got a, a, an abductor um, problem. So uh, you know the, the problems just seem to be mounting up again for South Africa. I mean, they've they've always got problems, though, haven't they? They've always got problems. Whether it's you know picking a side, whether it's off the field and the politics that goes with South African cricket, I've had a sample size of it playing there domestically, and uh, it, it it is interesting. It is different, and that's what people have got to remember when people listening to this show talking about how South Africa sometimes looks a shambles. South Africa has always looked a shambles from the outside because of what goes on on the inside that people aren't privy to. So it's hard to um, hard to predict what's going to happen. It's hard to predict what sort of side they're going to have. The one thing they have got, they've got some fine cricketers. They have got some fantastic cricketers and if they can get them working in the right order and as a team, like we've seen in the first test match and boxing there out uh, in Pretoria when they looked a proper side. Everybody was everybody was on the feeling good factor. Graham Smith was back in charge. Mark Boucher was there. That honeymoon period's over now and it's about South Africa getting together as a group and a unit and as one to really having a force as a, an international team because individually, some fantastic players, but as a collective unit, they look as though they're a little bit a little bit raggy at this moment in time and that comes from the top comes from leadership and I think it's something that Graham Smith has to address very very quickly Absolutely no such problems for England though but where are we as we uh, come to the end of the show where are we where is England with 50 over cricket we've rested our best players there's no World Cup for four years it's all about the T20s uh, we were only celebrating winning the thing last year Yeah and I think the the, the, the sad thing about it the sad thing about the the, the, the the 50 over win in 2019 was there's obviously there's a lot there's a lot more sadness than this from the pandemic point of view but i think it would have been great to prov- you know really when you when you talk about 
in your time, in my time, 2005, celebrating Trafalgar Square, seeing all them people, that should have been England's. That should have been England last year. Their Trafalgar Square was going round every single test, uh, international ground in England last year, full crowd parading the, the World Cup trophy. They've never really had a chance to celebrate them doing that, and and I think that's something that England now have to they have to go around the world now, proving that they are the best team in the world. They are world champions, and I think it's important that they keep going that way. You can look at three year and a half years time. And sometimes you can get carried away, and sometimes you can actually have, that could actually have a negative effect if you turn around and say, "Well, in three years' time, he certain such and such is going to be 35, such and such is going to be 34, such and such is going to be 36." Forget that. Just look after the moment. Three years' time will look after itself. If you've got a winning team, it's very easy to bring 22, 23-year-olds into a winning side, and I think that's what Owen Morgan is trying to do. He's done that with a 2020 team, and I think he'll do that with a 50-over team as well. So I do not see there being too much of an issue with the 50-over side. Brilliant stuff. Army, you'll be back on Friday. Live coverage of the first of three ODIs on TalkSport 2 gets underway at 10 o'clock. Thanks for listening to The Cricket Collective. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.